Jesus' name. We pray for our Sunday school classes, that the word of the Lord is going to find a lodging place in the hearts and the minds of everyone, from the littlest child to the oldest adult. God will give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Amen. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord. Look at your neighbor and tell him, pay attention, and then you may be seated. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I'm continuing our study in the book of Ephesians. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, that will be our main focus this morning. But as we uh, go, let me just review, and for those of you that have been here every week, it may be repetitious, but for those that are new, just to... Uh, let you know about the book of Ephesians a little bit. It's broken into two main parts of three chapters each. So there's six chapters in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Gentiles in a city called Ephesus, and he is giving them instruction. But the first three chapters deal basically with the believer's position in Christ. Paul wants them to know that, hey, You've got this great opportunity. You're chosen. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And then upon all of that, God has sealed you. Amen. So you have this great position, this inheritance, if you will, that God has given to us and particularly to the Gentiles. Amen. That this way has been open. Can you say thank you, Jesus, for that? Hallelujah. That we now have the opportunity to come boldly into the presence of God. Amen. We're able to come into His presence. You can do it here at church. You can do it at your home, alone in your bedroom. Wherever you are, you can come into His presence. And He says, do it boldly. It just means with confidence. We can, have, uh, you know, we can come into His presence with confidence. We have this relationship that we're able to, or have the audience of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Hallelujah. And it's a great thing. Chapters 4 through 6, Paul's dealing with, after he tells them your position and the great power that you have in Christ, he's now telling them, you know, okay, this is how you need to conduct yourself as children of God. All right? So this gets down to more the nitty and the gritty, right? This is, we like the power part, but we don't necessarily want to be told how to live, right? But Paul's telling us here that it's very important for us to conduct ourselves as the children of God. And he talks about in chapter 4 that when we talked last week, we were talking about relationships. He's continuing that uh, theme in chapter 5 and a little bit into chapter 6, still talking about relationships. But in chapter 4, we talked about forgiving and understanding others, amen, having respect one for another. The Word of God says it like this, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Or endeavoring means to make it one's duty, all right? So this is something you have to work at. It's your job as a child of God to work at the unity of the body of Christ. And remember it says even like you have to put up with some things. Amen? In the natural family, right, our natural, we had to put up with some things, right? We don't always see eye to eye and, 
Everybody always doesn't listen to me and do exactly as I tell them. So I have to put up with a few members of my family, amen? And that's what he's saying, and same thing in the body of Christ. We are family, right? We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we say that all the time, praise the Lord, brother, and it's kind of weird to the outside world, you know, it's kind of awkward, you know, but <clears throat> it's because <clears throat> we're children of God. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Another thing that reminds us of this great importance of relationships. So in this chapter 5, we're going to continue uh, talking about relationships, uh, talking about associations, who we associate ourselves with, and brings it more into keeping the right relationships rather than just keeping the unity of the faith. And so I always put it to my kids like this. I said, now you've got to love everybody. You've got to love all the kids in the youth group, but you don't have to have them all over for dinner. Okay? So you, you may not always have, you may have some personality conflicts in the church, right? You've got to love them, respect them, don't gossip about them, don't talk about them, just pray for them. Doesn't mean you have to go out to dinner with them. May not, may not like each other very well, but you've got to love them. Amen? And that's the key that um, Paul's trying to remind the church here at Ephesus. He says, remember God's love towards us, towards you, towards me. Amen. So looking at Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse 1, he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So we're children. We represent God. We are his family. Amen. We're his children. Verse 2, walk in love. Amen. Everybody say love. Amen. It's such a powerful word, and it's such an abused word, and it's such a hard word to say sometimes, you know, even to the ones that we really do love. But there's so much power in love. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. This sacrifice went up before God because God loved us, for God so loved the world that He gave. Amen. And so this sacrifice of giving that God had put towards us. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 9 says this, For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure, perhaps, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. So when we were without strength, Christ did this. He made this great sacrifice for us because he loved us. Amen. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love. Everybody say love. Amen. I'm going to be the messenger of love this morning. Amen. Let us love one another, for love is of God. All right? That's why love is so important. Amen. Because it is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is what? God is love. 
One of the attributes that we read about, about God, and one of the few that we actually see is the fact that in describing Him, Paul just simply says, God is love. And aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Verse 9, And this was manifested, the love of God towards us, because God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. And that word just simply means He's the mercy seat. He's the one that paid the price that we might have the forgiveness of sins. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. So, starting off in this fifth chapter, Paul's once again going to address our relationships with other people. But first thing he does is remind us, first thing we have to be reminded of is God's love towards us. We have to remember how unlovable we were. We have to remember how we uh, didn't love God, but he loved us. And because of his love towards us, that drew us to him. Amen. So he's, he's addressing this thing on relationships, but first we have to remember, always remember, it'll help you now, especially when you're dealing with difficult people, you got to remember how God in his mercy deals with us. Amen? And we're all difficult. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a difficult individual. Amen. We all are, because we're in this flesh. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> So, in the next portions of Scripture, starting in verse 3, he's going to warn against having the wrong relationships or the wrong associations, if you will. <clears throat> he says, but fornication and all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, they're not proper, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an adulterer, idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So in Ephesians 1, it was in verse 13, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with this Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. So in the first part, he's trying to tell you, hey, you have this inheritance, all right? It's given to you, amen, by the Lord in His love and His mercy. And here he's telling us, though, if we live ungodly lives... We have no inheritance, all right? It's not once saved, always saved. You've got to live an overcoming life. You've got to live according to the Word of God. If you look at that, fornication, that has to deal with an individual. Uh, foolish talking, that's individuals. Covetousness, desiring somebody else's. All these basically relate 
um, to how we relate to one another here on the earth in the flesh. Amen? Verse number 6. He says, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. He said, don't be deceived. One of the number one things that Christ tried to instill in his disciples was don't be deceived. You've got to be very careful, amen, that you're not deceived with vain words. Somebody saying, well, it, it's okay, or it really doesn't matter, or, you know, they, God understands vain words, all right? God doesn't understand when we're disobedient to his word. Amen? Amen. Amen. In verse number 7, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. So here Paul puts the rubber to the road, if you will. Love everybody. Have respect for everybody. Pray for your brothers. He's all these things about relationship. But here he's saying, now if these people are vain, if they're uh, not living right, if they're going about against the word of God, he says, do not be partakers with them. Amen. For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Amen. We have this great illumination, if you will, of right and wrong, of the Word of God. And so he's saying you need to walk in the light. We're going to be tempted through the, the darkness and through the flesh to go off into the darkness. So you've got to be careful because just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. Amen? It always reminds me of my dad when I'd say everybody's doing it. And he said, well, if everybody jumped off the cliff, would you jump off the cliff, you know? And one time I thought about it, I said, well, I guess if everybody was doing it, I might do that, you know. But the, the point was, two wrongs don't make a right. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it right. Amen. That's one thing we have to be careful about in the world that we're living in today. As wickedness gets worse and worse, right, we tend to move the gauge of holiness, if you will, or modesty, or righteousness, whatever you want to say. What was considered wrong years ago, today, and I'm talking about in the world, is not necessarily considered wrong anymore. You take a movies and the, the rating of movies and R-rated movies today would, uh, you know, they wouldn't been even allowed in days gone by, okay? And something that's just, uh, uh, you know, they, they what the gauge is being tipped in the wrong direction, okay? But just because society does that doesn't mean the church does that, right? God's Word doesn't change. Amen. If it's wrong yesterday, it's still wrong today. Amen. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So don't be deceived. We got to be in the light, walk in the light. For the fruit, in verse 9, of the Spirit is in all goodness, and righteousness and truth. Amen. Proving what is acceptable unto God. And have, verse 11, and have what? No fellowship with the unfruitful darks of darkness, but rather reprove them. Amen. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Think about that. 
It's even wrong, it's a shame even to say things about the things that are done wrong in secret. Don't even let it be a part of your conversation. Reprove the individual. Let them know, amen, because we are the light of the world. Now, in talking about relationships or associations, it is the most powerful influence on us as people, amen. Who we are associated with is our number one influencer of how we're going to conduct ourselves. Amen? And usually, if you're connected with somebody that's not doing the right things, usually they don't shove you in that direction, especially if you're in the church. It's a gentle nudging. Amen? They don't just shove you. The devil's not going to just shove you, right? He knows better to do that. He's going to nudge you in the wrong direction. You better be careful of who you're associating with and what direction they're nudging you in. You ever been on a lake, maybe laying back on a raft or an inner tube, and you got your eyes closed, you got your head back? Feels like you're just sitting there still, but you open up your eyes a little bit later, 10 minutes later, find out you've moved way off course, way down the shore. You didn't feel it, you didn't even realize it at the time. You can even do that in a swimming pool sometimes. You just lay back in a little raft and you just think you're out in the middle and all of a sudden your head hits the side of the swimming pool and you think, oh, I've been moved. Just a gentle current that takes us away. And we have to be careful, amen, of the relationships that we're in that are not carrying us in the wrong direction. The late personal uh, growth uh, coach, Jim Rome, said this. He taught that you become the combined sum of the five people you hang around with the most. And I don't know how true that is, but it's food for thought. The five people that you hang around with the most is who you're going to become like. Amen. And that makes a lot of sense. In attitude, he said, in health, in wealth and in lifestyles. Because the people that you hang around with, you will dominate the conversations that they're having, amen? And that's a great influence on our opinions, our expectations, and even our beliefs. Slowly drift away. What's the Word of God say? It says, give the more earnest heed to the things that you've heard. Listen, at any time you could let them slip or drift away if you will. Very important. Who are you hanging around with? Who are the five people that you hang around with the most? According to Jim Rome, and the Bible actually backs this up a lot, but you're going to become the combined sum total of those individuals. Harvard professor David McClellan backs this up also in a research that he did. He calls it your reference group. And in this, he said 95% of your success or your failure is determined by the people that you associate with. Think about that. 95% of who you're hanging out with will determine your success or your failure. It's the single most contributing factor to what we become in life. And we all know this, right, as parents and We've had kids, What we don't want our kids hanging in the wrong crowd, right? We don't want them hanging out with the wrong people. I can remember when my daughter was turning 13 and she was going, she was so excited going out with the youth group, you know, and 
I wasn't invited. And uh, as a parent, I wasn't invited. And I talked to her and I said, now listen, up until now, every individual you've associated with, I was right there. I knew who your friends were. I knew where you were all the time. I knew all these things. I, I had control of that. I said, now you're becoming a young adult and you're going to have to make some decisions on your own. I said, you've got to be careful with who you're going to associate with. Now, I didn't completely withdraw from that. I still kept my thumb at a distance, amen, as we all do. But it's so powerful. We know the powerfulness of a wrong relationship, right? We see it in school and in high school. And it's only by the grace of God I escaped that because I wasn't in church and headed down a road of destruction and teenage alcoholic and but by the grace of God, I was delivered from all of that. But it was because of the, the crowd that I hang, hung around with. Amen? So it's very important for us to realize we need to pick our associations very wisely. So what is our response to relationships? Well, the first one I want to talk about is disassociation. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what accord hath Christ with Baal? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. This body of ours is a temple of Almighty God. We have to protect it. Amen. Verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So here we find he's telling us not to be unequally yoked together, come out from among them, but he's also talking about unbelievers here. He's not necessarily talking about our brothers and sisters in the Lord. I can remember when I first came into the church, and I was 19 years old, and I got into church, and it was like an overnight miracle in my life and God took away the desire for alcohol and drugs and seemed like overnight but one thing that he didn't take away was the pull of my friends that were still out in the world they still called where are you at man what are you doing what are you going over to that church for you know there are a bunch of crazy people over there and I didn't realize it at the time but they were right you know and here I am Stuck in the middle here with you all, amen? And so it was something I had to, uh, even my uh, family, they were saying, you know, they were all nervous about it, and they, they wanted me to go, you know, back to the church that we'd had gone, and so I went one Sunday morning, you know, and, and, uh, but it wasn't the same and all of that, and, and so they, they went to my uh, previous pastor, you know, and he said the heat, uh, they said, you know, he's going over there, those crazy people, you know, speaking in tongues and everything. And he said, well, it's just, uh, he's just on a spiritual high or high experience. And he'll come down after a while and be back to normal, amen. 
But I thank God that after almost 40 years, hallelujah, it's just getting stronger and stronger every day. Because it's real. He said he loved us so that we could have life. This is life, folks. Not living at the end of a bottle or smoking at the end of a joint or something. But this is life where you have the freedom and the liberty to do whatever you want to do. Hallelujah. Just want to do the, don't want to do those things that are wrong anymore. Amen. And you can lay your head down at night. You got the peace of God. Hallelujah. It's the greatest thing going. Amen. But it was, a, it was a very difficult thing for me to disassociate myself with my worldly friends. And I, I've talked to my wife about this a lot. But when I was in the world, I had really close friends. I mean, we were close. I feel like I would have died for them. You know, we fought together. We did everything together. And I actually feel like I would have given my life for a few of them to protect and whatever the need was. I had close friends in, out there. And um, when I got into the church, I just didn't have that right away, amen? But it was very, very difficult to break away from that. They didn't understand it. I looked like, you know, uh, the bad guy, you know? But the one thing that I did was I disassociated myself with that. Amen. I came back to church. My pastor had at the uh, First Pentecostal Church, or I forget what the name of it was. It wasn't First Pentecostal, something as uh, 23rd Street, Newark, Ohio. But when I came back, I went to my old church. I came back the next Sunday to, to my church. The pastor, Brother Neustrian, had to talk to me. He said, you know, you're, you'll get confused if you keep jumping around. He says, you need to get in the church, get in the truth, and get your, word, your nose in the Word of God, find out what the Word of God is, and, and stay put, stay put in the church, amen? And I took his advice on that, and I'm glad I did, amen? But to disassociate was a very difficult thing because uh, you look like the bad person, right? You look, and I can remember our family get-togethers. I had a big family when I lived in Ohio, and... Um, they were on Sundays, you know. All of a sudden, I didn't go to them anymore. And it didn't look very good, you know. You know, we're having our family get together, you know. How come everybody, everybody was there but you, you know. Well, sorry about that. But after a while, they begin to schedule those get-togethers in between church services. They begin to learn. Hallelujah. Amen. And so God can work all of that out. But you have to disassociate the, some people. you got to just cut it off. If it's destructive for you, if it's not going in the way of the Lord, you've got to be able to disassociate yourself with that. Second Corinthians, or Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14 through 15. If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him. The first scripture we talked about is basically removing yourself from the uh, world, all right? Don't have fellowship with darkness. Don't be unequally yoked together, amen? Here he's talking more about maybe a brother or sister in the church. Have no company with them that he may be ashamed. Don't go off into those ways just because everybody uh, in the church is doing it. Uh, don't have any company with them. Verse 15, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother, Amen? So that's how we need to handle those things. But have no company. Don't have any part. If you've got a brother or sisters and not doing things that are right, 
not living right, wanting you to go with them, don't do it. Amen? Admonish them as a brother in love. Amen? So that's disassociating ourselves with others. Other one is limited associations. Amen? Limited associations. And so that may be somebody that you know you can spend a couple hours with, but you can't spend a couple days with. All right? <laughs> you may be able to spend three minutes with them, but not three hours. I don't know. You know I think uh, you know, there's certain family members in my natural family that I know that I can't. I can go there on a Christmas dinner or something, but I can't spend much time with them. You know what I'm talking about there? You know, uh, after a while, limited associations. Paul's talking about these associations that we have, and he says it's so important that we understand this. Some people you're going to have to cut off if they're taking you down the wrong road. Others are limited associations. And the third one is expanded associations. These are the good ones, all right? Hebrews 10 tells us, consider one another to provoke to unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, hallelujah, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, in this last one, we need to hang around with church people, amen, <laughs> people that are living the way that you really want to live. Expand your associations with people, amen. That's why we have fellowship groups, all right? That's why we try to have something for all the different ages, you know, Every pastor's always said, everybody that comes to church, they need to find a job, they need to find something to do in the church, and they need to find a friend. Amen? Our fellowship groups are for us to be able to go and have good, wholesome fellowship. Amen? We need to expand that. You need to be a part of those uh, fellowship groups that are in your age group or in your category, if you will. So find people that have been where you want to go. Amen. If you want to live for God, find somebody that's lived for God for a while and associate with them. Amen. And it'll help you in finding out how to live for God. Amen. So does that make sense this morning? You got to disassociate yourself from some people. Some people you can have association with, but it's a limited thing there. And others you need to attach yourself to. Expand the association. So as the table, and I, I think back to my first coming into the church, as the table began to turn, and uh, you know, I began to disassociate myself, my friends started coming to church with me for a while. And uh, you know, it began to change. The table began to change. And pretty soon, I was in the church, hanging around with church people, and everybody knew Hey, Richie's had a change. He's gone off the deep end. He's some religious fanatic now. Amen. You don't want to get around him. Amen. It might get on you. Amen. So, uh, but God works that all out for us. Amen. And so be sure. But it, it continues on, you know. It continues on in the church uh, that we need to be careful with who we associate within the church. They're not living right, playing the hypocrite. Amen. Don't hang around. Don't allow it to affect you because it's going to affect you. Amen? You can say all that. Uh, I'm strong enough. That's not going to affect you. I'm saying everything affects us. Everything affects us. Amen? So, how do we need to respond 
to these things? Well, in verse 13, it says, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So here, we need to realize we need to stay in the light. The light of the glorious gospel. Verse 14, Wherefore he saith, and I'm going to pick out about six things out of these next uh, seven verses. It says, Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest. And I'm going to run out of time, I can tell. But Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So the first thing we do, and just like he said before, don't be deceived. You've got to awake yourself. You've got to awaken yourself. And this is good in our walk for God altogether, right? Just to awake. Don't be slumbering. Don't be falling to sleep. Listen, this is not a time for us to get lax in our living for God. It's, it's nothing to play with. We are fighting for our souls. And Paul's saying, awake. Get awake. Be alert. Amen. Be vigilant. Thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. Amen. And Christ shall give thee light. When you're sleeping, you're unaware of your surroundings. Is that not correct? And he's saying in the spirit world, in your walk with God, you need to arise out of your sleep. He calls it death. Don't be dead. Get awake. Amen. Be awake. Verse 15, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And I think this was part of our scriptures on Wednesday night. We talked a little bit about it. But circumspectly means exactly. In other words, get in it with all of your heart, all of your mind. When Paul was making his defense in Acts chapter 26, he said, after the most straightest sect, sect if you will, of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. He said, I lived in the most straightest sect of the Pharisees. Amen. He said, when I was a Pharisee, I was all the way in. That's what he's saying. It's the same word, straightest and circumspectly, are the same word in the Greek. And it means I did it with all my heart. I was exact. Amen. In other words, do it wholeheartedly. Awaken yourself and do it with all your heart. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Oh my goodness, isn't that something that we always think there's another day? Amen? Even with a dying individual, we always think that there's one more day. It's, it's, uh, you can, I can remember my father who was uh, terminally ill with cancer. And uh, I had just left his bedside, you know, and... and Prayed with him and talked to him a little bit. And I know Morton got home and my sister called me and says, Dad just passed away. And I was like, what? No, no, he didn't, he didn't just pass away. That, that can't be possible. We always think that there's one more day. Amen? But what if God was coming today? What if that second coming was today? What would you need to do differently in your life Today, if you are trying to prepare for the coming of the Lord. That's redeeming the time. Because we don't know who He's coming. He may, he may not come for the church, but He may come for you. <laughs> Amen. We're not guaranteed of any day. Amen. Of the, any time. We need to redeem the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise 
but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. I looked at that when I first got into the church and I thought, wow, okay. Uh, don't be drunk with wine in excess. And we, we always planned our whole weekends. You know, we were always going to have a party and we reached for that. And when you're uh, alcoholic, you got to have it. you got to have it. Amen. you got to have that next drink. And when you're uh, uh, hooked on nicotine, you know, you got to have that next cigarette. Amen. Paul's just simply saying, don't be like that in the world, but be like that in the spirit. The same way that you were in the spirit in the world when you just had to have it is the way we ought to be when it comes to God and the Spirit of God. I just got to have another touch from the Lord. Amen? I'm desperate for it. I'm hooked on this. Amen? I need to realize that I can't make it without the Spirit of God. He's saying, don't be drunk with wine in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. We need to keep the Spirit of God. It's that seal that's upon us until the redemption. Amen? But it's that seal that He's put upon us that Holy Spirit, amen, and we need to stay uh, alive in it and revive in it. And like Paul to uh, told Timothy, stir up that gift, amen, that's within you. Hallelujah. We need to stir it up. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. Number five, giving thanks always this is how we overcome this is how we combat it amen through giving of thanks to the lord for all things unto god and the father in the name of our lord jesus christ are you thankful today that's one way you stay awake are you thankful for what god's done for you are you thankful for the revelation of the oneness of the Godhead? Are you thankful for the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. Are you thankful that God's had mercy on you? We need to be thankful. If we're not careful, we go through the motions. Amen. We've all been there. We become, sometimes we become disgruntled. We're not thankful. Things aren't going right. We begin to find things that aren't going right in our lives. But as the old song says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God hath done. Hallelujah. If you're sitting under the sound of my voice and been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, and ready for His second appearing, you have a lot to be thankful about today. Amen. Verse 21, and it's the sixth thing I want to talk about. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This means coming under, lifting your brother or your sister up. Amen? Setting them up before you. He said, submit one to another. That's what Christ did. He submitted to the will of God. And he died for your sins and my sins. And he says, the way that I loved you is the way that you need to love your brother. And we need to submit to one another. Amen? We need to help them and to come under them, not to think that we're way up here above everybody or somebody else, amen? And when you see somebody walking down the street that's not living right, you just say, there go I, but for the grace of God, amen? And as they say, don't judge anybody before you walk a mile in their shoes, amen? We need to understand how important this is to the, our walk with God. Paul's devoting 
some three chapters of it here just talking about how important our relationships, who we associate with, amen, to realizing that's the key of how we need to conduct ourselves in the house of God and in God's family, amen. Isn't it great to love one another and have unity in the church? That's where the power of God can come. And when the Spirit of God moves in this place this morning, it is partly because of the unity of the church. Amen? If there's disunity, if there's constant bickering and complaining and different little uh, cliques, if you will, all over that are against each other, God cannot move. But thank the Lord, a couple weeks ago, or last week was it, that we had 19 filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's because God has the ability to move freely in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. God can move when there's unity. And there's power in unity. And we have to submit to each other. So, awaken yourself. Live wholeheartedly. Redeem the time. Be filled with the Spirit. Give thanks always and submit yourself one to another. I was hoping I'd, I'm running out of time and I was hoping I would for this last portion and that's marriage. <laughs> our relationship with our husbands and our wives. Amen. Powerful portion of scripture that he's talking about. So not only is our relationship with the world, not only is our relationship with our brothers and sisters in the church, but he's next he talks about how important it is to have good relationships within the family. Our most intimate relationships. Wives submit. Come under uh, your husbands as the Lord. As unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore as the church is subject unto Christ. So let the wives be to their own husbands. In everything. Verse 25. Husbands. And this is the. The demand upon the husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. So we're living in a day and an age that goes against, uh, goes uh, apart from this. But if we live according to the word of God, where they got the perfect order of the family, the husband and the wife and the husbands understand that they're to love the wife. As Christ loved the church. He says, I, I don't have time, so I'm skipping down to verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it, cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Amen. He says that's why a man's going to leave his father and mother and to be joined unto his wife and the two become one. It's one. It's a union of one. Amen? And he says, And this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Verse 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reference her husband. Amen. And so we see that Paul's addressing Every aspect of when next time I teach, it'll be into, into uh, chapter number six, and it's going to be about children obeying your parents. Amen. We all want to hear that one, right? And we all want that to be preached there. But he's talking about these relationships, how important it is. We're not islands to ourselves, 
It's very, very important how we conduct ourselves in the house of God, in the world, and in our own uh, families. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's all stand today. And let's pray and the Lord will be with us. Amen. Help us. Dear Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and for your mercies. We love you, Lord, and we believe in you. We know, God, that you're on the throne. Help us, oh God, to develop the right associations. Help us, oh God, to always be in tune with you and the Spirit of God. Let the light of the glorious gospel illuminate our way. Help us to stay focused and live for you wholeheartedly. God will give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.